So tonight we're going to be looking at the topic of atonement. Okay, if you guys remember the last few weeks, we've been looking at the topic of sin, right? What Old Testament word means, New Testament words. We've looked at sin and the fall, okay, and the result of that. We've looked at even part of God's judgment of sin sometimes, the ones we don't expect, is sometimes uh, also as well, um, is we also see, what do you call that? Um, that God judges by what? We become the idols that we worship, right? If it's as a form of judgment. Then we also saw last week the hardening hearts about Egypt, right? And we just want to see it in its context. And I hope you guys saw, at least for me, I, was, I thought a few months ago when I saw that, I was like, wow, really beautiful. I need to really dig into that more. Yeah. Just the incredible irony, right? The hardening hearts, yeah. if you guys remember. The Egyptian believe that's a way of salvation, okay? So today we're going to be looking at the topic of atonement. Um, we're going to be getting with the good news, but uh, slowly moving from bad news to good news. Originally today, I wanted to go over the topic of conscience, but I realized, oh man, I actually need a lot, probably a lot more resources to study because I thought that would be good. In talking about sin, God has put a conscience. So I hope next week we'll talk about that. But in light of the fact that I need to actually go to a seminary library uh, to borrow some books to, like, you know, the, the leading books on that, a biblical view of conscience, I thought uh, that would be safe for next week. So we talked about the topic of atonement, okay? So if you have your outlines today, we're going to be looking at the topic of atonement. And before we go even further, I want to ask you guys this question. Uh, I want to ask you guys this question. Uh, what is atonement? Again, we're going to go over this. So even if it's a wrong answer, it's okay. Not that it's okay, but it's okay that you're trying to grasp it. Okay. What is atonement? You guys all heard the word atonement before? Anyone here have not heard the word atonement before? Want to raise your hand? Everyone here has heard of atonement? Raise your hand. Okay. So what is atonement? So it seems like everyone has heard that term in some way or another. Okay. What is atonement? Josh, you look like you're eager beaver to to give a definition. Mm, when uh, Jesus Christ mm, died for our sins. Yeah, okay. So we know it's tied with Jesus Christ dying our sin. That's one of the effects, okay? Um, so we all kind of have that idea. Okay, good. Okay. So we're going to go over this today. So today we're going to have um, five points. How many points? Five points. Five points, okay? So this is a little bit more bigger. Um, the atonement is very multifaceted, okay? And from the atonement, this is the more general term. And then the next few weeks uh, or sometime down in the future, we will look at different works of atonement that is accomplished. Part of one of that is actually redemption. We're not going to cover that on Tuesday because why? We've covered that already on Sundays, uh, you know, in, in our series through uh, Ephesians, okay? So we've got five points. The, there's what is the meaning of atonement? Christ saves us by his death. Yes. Christ died as our substitute. And what motivated God to plan the atonement? And then the last, the, the fifth, is seven fruits of Christ's atonement. Yeah. So we see that, okay? Uh, so this is these five points that we're going to be covering over, okay? Uh, and by the way, all of this is so that we would, what? I think part of our life is, you know, I do believe as Christians we need to preach the gospel to ourselves daily. Mm -hmm. um, because when we fight sin, it's sometimes discouraging. We see sin and we ne need the motivation to confess. Mm -hmm. Also to actually say no to sin. Mm -hmm. uh, we need the motivation of what the gospel, what he's done. Okay, So we can never preach too much of the gospel to ourselves. Okay, I've never had that problem yet in my life. My problem has always been I don't preach myself what, to my own heart the gospel mm -hmm. enough to apply it, to love him more, that kind of thing. Okay, um, So here in life, this, this is why we're going over this. Okay? So, first question is, what is the meaning of atonement, okay? So this, I'm quoting here, uh, Reformed Baptist, Roger Whale says, In the Old Testament, the word atonement means reconciliation by the covering of sin, okay? Sins need to be buried out of sight, okay? So we're going to see the idea of atonement actually means covering, okay? Uh, the, the idea of atonement means, it means covering, okay? Uh, Oh, sorry for being late. No, no, it's okay. We're glad you're here. We're glad you're here. Okay. This version is different than the one I speak. It's it's ESV, but it's a picture. Okay. So uh, we're so I sent out the outline uh, email. So today is electronic, like a link. Okay. So we're covering over the term atonement, and I know Paul, you just stepped in. One of the reasons why I was going over why we're going so much about salvation is we've already gone over all the bad stuff about sin. Okay. I'm not going over sin just because I like making people feel bad or anything else, although we should feel bad with sin. But all that is to make us appreciate God's grace more, okay? Uh, so we're looking at now, our first point is, what is the meaning of atonement, okay? Um, so the atonement means covering over, okay? 
So if you guys look at that uh, bullet point, it means covering over. And we, I think we see a glimpse of that in the Bible. In Psalm 32, verses 1 and 2. Okay, Let's turn to Psalm 32, verses 1 through 2. You guys open that up. Uh, we're going to go counterclockwise. Okay, uh, Psalm 32, verses 1 to 2. Uh, Eric, would you be able to read verse 1 and then... Um, Derek, read verse 2. Is that okay? How blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. How blessed is a man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. Okay. Psalm 32, if you guys know, the psalm is very famous for what? How do you go confess your sin to God? Okay. Is the point is, is, when we go to God to confess, will He always forgive us? Yes, okay. You guys ever have this where sometimes with people it's scary, right? You've done so many bad things so many times. You go to your mom and dad and then you say, sorry. And you know your mom and dad might get really upset or with human others, it's like, oh, you crossed the line, right? But with God, does he always forgive? Yeah, he always forgives. That's how loving he is, okay? So here, uh, David prays. He says, blessed is the one whose transgression, and we covered over the word transgression a few weeks ago. Transgression means what? You're doing something purposely to cross the line. Okay, you're intentionally doing something bad, and it says the one is forgiven. And notice here it says the word covered. Okay, uh, does any version say atone here in verses one, or all your versions say covered? Mm, covered. Okay, covered. Okay, so that's where the the Hebrew word for atonement, because that's a big word. What I'm trying to do is we want to go deeper to study about God for our lives. Okay, I actually feel the more deeper I go into God, the more my life is more stable. Mm. Okay, uh, I think our day-to-day life, sometimes we go through a lot of emotional up and down. Okay, By the way, if you're focused so much on your feeling, then it could always be what? Going up and down. Okay, yeah. So I feel the more I know about God, the more deeper theology, quote-unquote deep, is actually more stable. Say, oh, wow, I could trust Him. I love Him. And this is what He's done for me. Yeah. And because He's loved me, therefore there's a stability. Okay, Think about it also as well, this is important for relationship too. Because I think a lot of times in relationship, sometimes people go into relationship because they want to what? Find their worth in that other person, affirming them. But we're not that awesome. You guys realize that? We're not that good of a person. I'm not really that good of a person. We're all sinners. So you find that, then it becomes very what? Unstable. That person now, uh, you know, don't look at you so highly, and then you get really upset, and you're bent out of shape, right? Or your parents, or whatever relationship. But part of Christian is, the more we understand what Christ has done for us, even though we're really sinful, it gives us the freedom to what? See our faults, but not be despair. To say, okay, I could work on this, but God give me grace, He forgives me. Not to say it's okay, but say, wow, if He died for me for this, that's a motivation to what? To obey and to be changed, okay? So this is why it's so important in our day-to-day life. So Psalm 32 verses 1 to 2, here it shows that uh, our sin is covered over, okay? Oh, whoa, nice, okay? Uh, verses 2, uh, so uh, Psalm 30, okay? So we can understand the line, whose sin is covered. Can I put this in there? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Means by noticing... It parallel with the first line. He whose transgression is what? Forgiven. Okay? Okay? Yeah. Okay? So, whose transgression is forgiven. Okay? Uh, so, going back on with this. Uh, forgiven, by the way, it means lifted. That is the burden of sin is removed. You guys ever have this? When you're forgiven, doesn't it feel like, whoa, it's a big burden that has been what? Removed, right? Uh, today, uh, Eric and I, we went out to PCC to share the gospel. Uh, one of the girls is, uh, she says she doesn't, be- she's agnostic. She doesn't believe there's a God out there. Okay. Um, but then we talked about the question that we have as, as a question is, are you a good person? And it was interesting because then they were going to talk really, you know, like, oh, the Bible standard is different than what I believe and that kind of thing. And they, one of the girls said they don't believe the Bible is like all that. Right. Okay. But then I was also telling them, my observation is this, whatever you say right and wrong. Have you guys ever noticed this? By the way, some people standard right and wrong is very high. They said to themselves, some is very low, okay? But no matter where you said it, have you ever realized you always trip up on it? Have you guys realized that? Mm-hmm. Even the people says, okay, you know what? I only believe the only thing that's wrong is lying. And then will they still trip up on it? Will they still fail? Yeah, that's how sinful we are. I was just making an observation. To, like no matter what your standard right or wrong is, we always still fail our mm-hmm. own uh, right and wrong, okay? Even if you say, oh, my, ju- my standard is I won't be judgmental. And then someone comes over and says, oh, I disagree. Then we get really judgmental with them, right? Yeah. So no matter what, that's our... And I was making the point too, and I was like, you know what? That's interesting. Why is human nature like that? They're like, yeah. What is, you know, that is fascinating because what? 
Our Bible says we are what? Sinners, right? Our nature is we always fall short, no matter what the standard is. You set one for yourself. So usually that's what I do when I share the gospel. Even if they say, oh, I don't believe in the Bible. I don't want to go by the Bible standards. I ask them, oh, what do you believe is right or wrong? Oh, I don't believe you should steal. Have you ever stolen? I don't believe you should lie. Then I ask, have you lied? There's like, oh, well, if you have lied, what does that make you? A liar or a sin. So that's how, how sinful we are. So notice in verses 2, uh, when you're forgiven, right? Have you guys know that feeling? That that big burden has been what? Carried away. Has been lifted, right? Uh, if you're a Christian, you know that feeling that God is forgiving you of your sins, okay? And verses 2 cover that idea, reinforce it again too, right? With the idea of covered, okay? Uh, so I know, uh, Jin, you just came, walked in. We're going over the topic of atonement, okay? That God, uh, so what is this? The first point we're looking at, point number one, what is the meaning of atonement? Is the idea is sin means uh, cover, means it's covered over our sins, okay? And the idea of forgiving, okay? Other verses also talk about, uses the word covering, Okay? Uh, some of our versions say atonement, some of our versions say cover. So basically, atonement basically means cover over, okay? Turn with me, for instance, to Leviticus chapter 4. So if you're in the first book of the Bible, it's Genesis. Then the second is what? Exodus. The third is Leviticus, okay? Leviticus chapter 4, verse 35. Leviticus 4.35. When we turn there, um, Mr. Byrne, would you be able to read Leviticus 4.35 for us? Thank you. And I'm going to actually ask you guys, what is your word for... Use I think different versions use different words. Okay. Four twenty-five. Oh, chapter four, verse thirty-five. Sorry, thirty-five. So Leviticus four thirty-five. Then he shall remove all the fat, just as the fat of the lamb is removed from the sacrifice of the peace offering, and the priest shall offer up them and smoke on the altar on the offerings by fire to the Lord thus the priest shall make atonement mm -hmm. for him in regard to his sin which he has committed and he shall be forgiven okay thank you so much uh, does all your versions say atonement or does some of your versions say something else covering any versions say covering in chapter 4 verse 35 or all your versions say it? Oh, okay, interesting. Okay, good. Okay. So basically the term is synonymous. Okay. I'm bringing it up to say is that when you read the scriptures, sometimes a different version, you'll be like, it'll pop up the word, will be atoning. Sometimes it'll say covering over. Okay. Um, and both is accurate because atonement means covering over. Okay. Um, I think maybe the analogy I like to draw often is like, for instance, let's just say the wall is very dirty, right? Your house wall is very dirty. After a while you clean it. Then after you clean it, you cover it over with what? Fresh what? Fresh coat of paint, okay? So that's the idea, okay, of covering, okay? Uh, another uh, usage of this is, uh, let me try one more. Uh, Leviticus 10, 17. I just want to see, what is all your, does all your versions say the same word? Uh, Leviticus 10, verse 17. Paul, would you be able to read chapter 10, uh, chapter 10 verse 17? Sorry. Chapter 10, verses 17, okay? Why have you not eaten the same offering in the place of the sectary, since it is a thing most holy and has been given to you that you may bear the uh, iniquity hmm. of the congregation to make atonement them before the Lord. Hmm, okay, thank you. So here again, uh, some does all your versions say atonement or does any versions say covering? Atonement. Okay, good. Okay, interesting. It's really consistent here. But throughout the, just to let you guys know, whenever you guys ever read Bible studies or anything else, if you ever see sometimes, hey, why does it say covering? Why does it say atonement? Mm. Is there a contradiction? No, it's, atonement means mm. covering. But it's in context of covering over sin, okay? So, let yet also, the Bible tells about there's a right way and a wrong way to cover over yeah. sin, okay? Turn with me real quick to Proverbs 28, verse 13. Josh, would you be able to read Proverbs 28, verse 13? Proverbs 28, verse 13. By the way, if you struggle reading the Bible, this is probably the best book to begin with, the book of Proverbs. It's very practical, okay? You might not be able to, like, you know, for some of us, if it's, you haven't read the Bible in a while, to go into Leviticus, well, they'll tell me, like, whoa, this is so hard, or there's so much details, I don't know. Proverbs is already, you read it, it already applies. So yeah. they did. It's because about the book of Proverbs wisdom. Okay? He who conceals his transgressions will not prosper, 
but he who confesses and forsakes them will find compassion. Yeah, thank you. Okay. You guys see the word conceal? Literally in the Hebrew is the same word for cover. The same word for atonement, okay? Appears here. But here it means a conceal uh, we see in the context. Is it a good kind of covering over or a bad kind of covering over? Okay, the context is it a good kind of covering over? Probably not a good one because what? Mm. If you cover over your transgression, you will not what? Prosper. Mm. You will not be blessed. But then in contrast, I would say, hey, he confess and forgive them will find what? Compassion. Okay? So I'm bringing those to say is this. Our, our English version, we translate that as conceal. And I think it was right because that gives the right idea. Because if you put a tone, some people would think, wait a minute, what? To be forgiven your sin. Wait, why would that be a bad thing? No, no. So it's, there's two sense of covering over. Does that make sense? There's a bad covering and a good covering, okay? But you guys see the difference is this. The bad kind of covering is what? Notice the second line is when you don't, when you hide it, okay? When you don't confess it, when you don't admit it, okay? This is like, what, you know the English word we mean cover up? What does cover up mean? When a government official do something, or a bad business leader do something bad and they cover up, what does it mean? Let me say that. Hiding their sins, I guess. Yeah, to hide it, okay? Yeah. To downplay it, to not let it be public, okay? To hide it, to get away with it, so they yeah. can continue it or not be held responsible, okay? But no, so it's the opposite of that is what confessing, okay? So the right kind of covering over, so we have to ask the question, what is the difference? What kind mm -hmm. of covering that God would approve of or which one He doesn't, okay? So in light of this, uh, seeing that there's a right or wrong way of covering sin, we must be very careful to pay attention to God's way of covering uh, properly cover sin and the right way I think it involves Jesus okay so that's point number one we're looking at what does the term atonement mean so then let's go now to point number two if you guys following the outline point number two is what it's like the big bold letter is Christ what saves us by his death okay so that's point number two okay so there's two important foundational truth here first sacrifice is God's mean of atonement of sin okay Death is required. I know we kind of alluded to that in our Bible, in our Sunday. Uh, but turn with me to Leviticus 17.11. Okay? Leviticus 17.11. I think God has always meant the way to be forgiven our sin is always death. It's already built in the Old Testament. Okay? Leviticus 17.11. Um, Jim, would you be able to read this? Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Leviticus 17:11 For the life of the flesh is in the blood and I have given it for you on the altar to make atonement for your souls for it is the blood that makes atonement for, uh, by the life. Yeah. So notice this verse here says that the Bible the blood is a source of life therefore death is required for atonement. Okay? Yeah. And this is true even in the Old Testament, right? Um, where the wages of sin is death, okay? In my Bible I actually have this uh, kind of marked. This is the only verse I marked. Because uh, you guys remember a few weeks ago I had an ordination interview. Uh, this is kind of embarrassing to say. You know, when they asked me, like, okay, what's the basis of atonement? I was, wasn't sure what they were saying. So they just kept on throwing so many verses of atonement. They're, okay, wow, okay. Uh, yeah, okay, uh, that's, a, that's a verse on atonement. But we're looking for a verse of what is required for atonement. And I was like, Christ. And I was giving all these verses on Christ, First John, all these verses. And uh, we're looking for something like the foundation for, for all of that to make sense. And I was, I was like, uh, I... I don't know what you're looking for now. I throw out all my verses that I knew. And they're like, uh, Leviticus 17, 11. Once they say, I was like, oh, okay, you're looking for the, the, the one on, on the blood. And they're oh, okay, okay, okay. You're, you're good. You kind of paraphrase it. You didn't say it exactly, but you got the idea, okay? So then I realized, oh, that is so instrumental, okay? It requires the blood of Christ, okay? It requires the blood of Christ. Uh, uh, blood is required for atonement, okay? And I think the second foundational truth is that the blood of animal sacrifice is not. Because in the Old Testament, there's a lot of animal sacrifice, but those are symbols, okay? Those are symbols, okay? We know this because, yes, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 4. Hebrews 10, verse 4. Uh, we're back with Eric again, okay? Hebrews chapter 10, verse 4. So it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. Okay. I know uh, a few weeks ago we were looking at the word uh, even forgive, even on Sunday, right? Forgive, we have the idea. Of, remember that I talked about the scapegoat, the whole thing about the two goats. One died as a sacrificial goat. The second one was what? The scapegoat, the one you let escape. This is show like, hey, we're, God has separated us from our sin. The penalty. The penalty is separated like that, Okay. Um, but at the same time, you see, with all those things, they're symbol, they're teaching tools. But the reality is what? 
is it's not enough to take away our sin with the bulls with the goats and all of that okay um i think maybe sometimes uh, i actually think sometimes people could think christianity is cheap grace you ever hear some people say oh jewish christ died for sin but it's okay therefore i could do whatever i want no matter what he'll die for my sin anyways and i think sometimes we forget what costly grace means okay um this last time I went to Nepal, last year when I went to Nepal, I went during a holiday season, a really big one. And when I was sitting down, one of the days to be picked up, you know, the, we stayed at like a little place. While I was waiting for the pastor to drive his small car to pick me up, I was just sitting there because, you know, it's the, the roads are bad, right? Uh, they're never fully on time. Is that correct, right, Eric? Sometimes, you know, things don't, not because they're lazy, but because of, because of the roads are very rough and the car is really, really Oh, too, okay? So while we're there, I was waiting. I decided, oh, you know what? I'll just read the... I don't I can't read. But I picked up a Nepali newspaper just to look at it. And in the front page of the newspaper were pictures of a lot of what? Dead bulls. Like, like probably hundreds of that. And I'm looking at it. I was like, whoa. This is really... Re-. And the ground is all what color? Red. Red, okay? And I was looking at it. like, whoa. This is like... What a... Well, in my mind, I first was thinking, what a crazy holiday. Then I stopped and realized, you know what? No, it's not. That shows the cost of what? The sacrificial. So that's like the Old Testament time. It's a symbol of how costly it is. Sometimes we can easily think sin, grace is a license to sin without the visual symbol. Okay. Now, I'm glad we don't have to sacrifice animal anymore. Right? And I, I think I always told, tell you guys all the time, whenever I teach little kids, like my daughters, right? And, and you know, like there's parts in the Bible sometimes animals die, right? Do you guys remember when Jesus Christ was a... He healed a demon-possessed man, and the man had thousands of demons, and he cast them all out into what animal? Do you guys remember? Pigs. Pigs. And then the pigs, what happened? Were demon-possessed, and they all ran where? Into the water. Yeah, off the cliff into the ocean or, or the sea, right? And it all died. Now, every time I teach that with the kids at Good Time Learning here in Temple City, you know what they always do? They, you know what the face of the kids look like? Every time I mention all the kids, what, what, oh, I don't mention it, I just read it, or when the kids read it, and they all, you know what's the next question? After they see all of it, the pigs went and died into the... See, you know what their first question is? Where did the demons go? Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. See, that's good. That's a good question. <laughs> their question is, how sad? What happened? Did the pigs really die, right? They're, and they're really, really sad. And rightly so. But think about also as well, Christ. But then when we talk about Christ, sometimes we're like, oh, yeah, Christ died for my sin, right? It's like really the most boringest basic fact. But we forget costly grace, okay? So looking back on, Animal sacrifice is not enough. Therefore, we need Christ, okay? So here, in establishing Christ saves by His death, let's turn to John chapter 10, verse 15. John chapter 10, verse 15. When we get there, are we... Uh, Derek, would you be able to read John 10, 15? John 10, 15. Even as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Hmm, okay. It's a beautiful verse. This is mentioned by who? Jesus Christ. And here is Jesus Christ. I think this is a very beautiful verse. He's speaking in the first person, say, I lay down my life for the sheep. Okay? Uh, I love lamb a lot. I love to eat what? <laughs> lamb skewers. Okay? Like the Chinese style. Right? Over that. Okay? Um, you know, the idea of lamb dying for me, I, I know. What is it? So gross. So gross, really? Oh. But it's so good. Oh, I'm just drooling. Think about it. I'm thinking about like the... Sichuan style, right? All that, okay? Or the, um, what's mm-hmm. that province? Uh, um, Wuhan. Not Wuhan, no. You mean barbecue? Yeah, the barbecue. Maybe Mongolian style. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh. where uh, Paul's from, okay? Inner Mongolia, oh, like that, okay? To me, it's really, I'm even just drooling thinking about it, okay? I don't have all the time, but whenever I do, I make noises. Like Jim will probably point out, like, oh, when you eat all that, okay? yeah, like the way I eat lobster, okay? Yes, okay? <laughs> so here, Jesus Christ says what? He would die for his sheep, okay? A shepherd dying for his sheep. What an incredible verse, okay? By the way, the Bible shows how much God loves us. Christ is not just only the shepherd, he's also the sheep that died for us, right? What a beautiful imagery, okay? The shepherd that would die for his sheep, and also the Bible says he's the lamb that take away the sin of the world in John one twenty nine. okay so his death is required Galatians 1 4 let's turn to Galatians 1 4 um, Mr. Burr would you be able to read Galatians 1 4 
gave him okay, who gave himself for our sins that mm -hmm. he might deliver us out of the present evil age according to the will of God and Father. Mm, yeah, so Galatians 1 4 is we see he give himself up. I might be coming back to this in our study later on because the idea of Christ being a substitute sometimes in some seminaries uh, they think they're more academic and they say oh the Bible doesn't teach that so I might go into a more in-depth thing about the idea of substitution as biblical but I'm trying to be practical too but at the same time preparing for things okay um, so here we see he gave himself for our sins okay and he did this so he rescued us from the present evil age okay by the way I think Christ doesn't just die for us to go to heaven Notice it has application today, freeing us from the present evil age, okay? Sin is also a power. You know when you're tempted by sin? Sin is, has power, what? To say, do this, right? It's that, um, I don't think we realize how powerful sin is until we try to fight it, okay? Mm -hmm. uh, I think I told you guys before, there's a picture I really like. I, I actually downloaded it. It was on Facebook. It was a picture of, you guys know the cookie monster? Like the Sesame Street, the so the little kids thing is that little blue monster they draw for little kids, with where the yeah with the cookies, and then he says I could quit any time, okay? We laugh because why? That cookie monster he loves what? Cookies. Cookies a lot, okay? And when he says you laugh any time, it's meant to be funny. It's like hey, he think it's easy to quit if he's just eating cookies. He thinks he's I could quit any time until he tries, okay? <laughs> then it becomes really really hard. And I felt the same thing. I remember when I first read the Bible the first time, okay? I got kicked out of high school. And I wasn't a Christian yet. I read the Bible and said, oh, these are a lot of good rules. Oh, this is good. I want to do this. And I thought, oh, the Bible is a good book. But then I started doing it. And I started realizing, oh, man, that's kind of hard. And then I read a verse that says, forgive. Or I got kicked out of school because of certain people involved. And I thought, oh, I'll forgive them. But the more I start saying, I'll forgive them, the more what? I was like, man. You know, I, I sit there. And, you know, I got kicked out of school. Nothing to do. I sit there, read the Bible, forgive. Then 20 minutes into it, reading all the verse on forgiveness, I become what? Even more unforgiving. I even become more angry. I'm thinking, huh, right? I'm thinking there's something wrong. But now I was thinking, no, the Bible has good rules. But what's wrong with me? That's to show what? Our sinfulness. Does that make sense? So in light of this, I think it says here, rescue us from the present age. So it's only until I realize, oh, the more I try, the more I can't. Then I said, you know what, God, I can't do this. I don't know why. Man, I'm such a terrible person. I don't know why. I'm Man, everyone, in, then I go to church and I see all these people smiling. It's like, Wait, how come they have joy? Are they faking or is there something I don't understand? And I realized what I didn't understand was I need to surrender to Christ. I need to see how weak I am and then say, Lord God, I can't save myself, man. I cannot do these roles. I'm just going to throw myself to you. Save me. Forgive me because I can't. And what verse 4 says so beautifully, right? Then he rescued me not only for the future, but in the present age. Then I could say, not perfectly, I'm still fighting sin. But say, okay, he freed me from what? The present age of sin also as well, okay? So there's other passages. I list a whole bunch, okay? I list a whole bunch. Um, but what a marvelous truth that he therefore combined in himself the role of priest and sacrifice. Here I'm quoting, you know, um, a Reformed Baptist theologian, okay? Uh, so then let's go to the third point. So what's our third point in the outline? Yeah, okay. He didn't just die, but as a substitute. Uh, by substitute means on behalf of, okay? Really, in, instead of, okay? Every time you see substitute, is idea of instead of, okay? Or in our place, instead of, okay? Let's turn to 1 Corinthians 15, 3. 1 Corinthians 15, 3. 1 Corinthians 15, 3. When we get there, where do we left off? Um, uh, Paul, which we'll read 1 Corinthians 15, 3. For I deliver to you as of first in importance what I also received. Christ died for our sin, according to our scriptures. Hmm, thank you so much, okay? So Christ died according to the scriptures, okay, for us, okay? Uh, so Christ died for us. And by the way, he says according to the scriptures, which means going back to the Old Testament. The idea of substitutionary, uh, a substitution was way back then, okay? It was way back already in the scriptures, okay? Um, it's not Jesus Christ just came over and made it up. He's actually consistent with this theme from Genesis onward that someone died in place of us. It was already way back then to now, okay? By the way, I think there's a reason why you look at all around the world, there's also idea in many religions, the idea of animal sacrifice, right? I think, yeah, maybe they twist it. There's things wrong. They believe in more than one God. But I think there's also a human nature understand that we need to, what, uh, cover over something also as well, okay? 
Subhanallah, with that. So here we see Christ died for our sins, okay? Um, it is also possible when, so then the question is, we ask is, where does the Bible teach Christ dying in the Old Testament? Before he uh, died on the cross, where does it predict hundreds of years before it happened? Could you guys think of any uh, Old Testament verse? He has no Old Testament, it is verses before oh, New Testament. You, you have a smile. <laughs> Yeah. Psalm 22 Psalm 22 yeah okay Psalm 22 right you guys uh, know that that's funny you laughed at, 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 but you know oh, I was actually teaching the, so yeah. <laughs> actually I was teaching my, my daughters that so uh, this, yeah so I was teaching Nancy was teaching the girls that this morning then you guys know I really like it so much that I can't help but to <laughs> to, to look at that right if I could preach one, one chapter every Sunday which I you can't because it's the same thing but it's probably Psalm 22 okay and maybe the um the t- parable of two sons, right? The, those are the two things like, man, if I, every time I go to a new church when they ask a guest speaker, it's always going to be what? Psalm 22 and, and the, uh, the story of the prodigal son, right? That God rescued that, okay? The other one is, we'll turn for the sake of time, uh, let's turn to Isaiah 53, verse 6. Isaiah 53, verse 6. The book of Isaiah is written 700 years before Jesus Christ, okay? Mm-hmm. There's no dispute that, okay? Jewish commentator so Isaiah is written is Jewish scripture okay so it's Jewish scripture before it became that, that Christian picked it up okay um, and you guys know Isaiah 53 is an amazing prophecy okay it's a very amazing prophecy okay um, if you read it there's times when I used to be at UCLA there was a lot of Jewish students there well, sometimes I'll set up table and then you say oh I'm a Christian they're like no 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 you Christians uh, kill Jews that kind of thing okay which is unfortunate people in the name of Christianity has killed Jews in the past but then when I tell them, hey, could you bring your scriptures? And one of the things I really like to do when I tell them, I normally don't say Old Testament. They get offended as Old Testament because they say, why, why is it? We call it Old because it's before the New, okay? So with them, I just say Tanakh, which is their old way of saying uh, the scripture, okay? Tanakh is a, a, it's basically an acronym. The first part is Torah, the first five law. Then the Nevi'ims, which is the prophets. And the Ketavims, which is the writings, mm-hmm. the more poetic books, okay? Mm-hmm. So they acronize that together as acronyms as Tanakh, okay? So I'll tell them mm-hmm. to bring a Tanakh. And you know, there's one time this one guy actually did bring his scripture. Mm-hmm. And he had an English. And I told him, could you turn to Isaiah 53? He turned to there and I asked him, read it out loud. He read it out loud and I asked him, who's this man? And he was like, oh, Jesus. And huh. I asked him the question is, hmm, interesting. Why is, what is Jesus doing in your scriptures? And as a result of that discussion, I said, I do believe Jesus Christ is the Messiah. Okay? Then he went back to his synagogue, told his rabbis, and they got so mad. And they gave him all these literature, and then he brought it back to me. And he says, I don't know how to explain it. They don't do a good job explaining. But I'm just giving these things not to attack you, but this is what things. But I still think this is talking about Jesus. Okay? Mm-hmm. Now, I wish I had a happy ending with that. After that, he never came back because he was telling me his... His, his family says, stop talking to Andrew and I, okay? Mm-hmm. I wish that, it's, I don't know what, whatever happened. But the very point is at least two, I mean, we talked for weeks, okay? He was arguing with us and everything else, okay? But the final part was Isaiah 53. Look at Isaiah 53, verse 6. All of us like sheep has gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. Uh, but the Lord has caused iniquity of us all to fall upon him, right? Do you see this? The idea of Christ dying for our sins... Some Jewish rabbis, you go on there, they set up websites to go against Christian stuff. They say, oh, it's made up, the idea, Jesus Christ would die for our sins. This is all made up. It's not Jewish. But do you see Isaiah 53, verse 6? The Lord has caused iniquity of us to fall upon Him. Masculine, singular. Okay? Uh, with this, okay? And is right. Um, is Psalm 22 is also your favorite verse, too? Actually, this passage is my favorite for Oh. Yeah. I mean, this is amazing. This is 700 years before Christ would have died. 700 years is a long time ago, okay? And by the way, if you look even at Jewish rabbis' commentaries, you know the idea of people writing technical work looking the word of the Hebrew? That's not a Christian thing that invented. The Jewish rabbis began that. Up even to the rab- a rabbinic age, I mean to the medieval age, which is a thousand years before after Christ died. Rabbi Rashi, around that time of a thousand years after Christ, he was still writing about this is talking about the Messiah, okay? Look with me also as well. Uh, thank you for sharing that, uh, Eric. Let's read. Let's look at Isaiah fifty-three verse ten. Caleb, Isaiah fifty-three verse ten. Josh, would you be able to be my eager beaver, happy motivated reader to read Isaiah, Isaiah fifty-three verse ten? Okay. But the Lord was pleased to crush 
him, putting him to grief. If he would render himself as a guilt offering, he will see his offspring, he will prolong his days. <coughs> and the good pleasure of the Lord will prosper in his hand. Yeah. I mean, if you begin the Isaiah 53, this is like, I mean, verse 3, right? He was despised, forsaken, all these bad things happening. But yet, all of this, not because he's evil, but this man will take away our sins, okay? This man will take away our sins. Jesus, never ever be so used to hearing Jesus Christ die for a sin that we don't ever stop and pause and love him, okay? As we see here, this is predicted 700 years before Christ, okay? By the way, today modern Jews say Isaiah 53 is Israel. Uh, this person that is dying for the sins of others is Israel. But I think that actually doesn't work out because Isaiah also talks about the sin of Israel. By the way, you guys know how many chapters? Where's the main? Uh, Isaiah has the sixth chapter. He talks bad news for 39 chapters. That's over half, right? That's over half because 33 Chapter 1 to 39 is the bad news of sin. Because you only know why the Bible Isaiah focuses so much is it's only until you see how sinful you are do you see how beautiful that he died for our sins. So I don't think this is talking about Israel because all the other 39 chapters before is talking about bad news that hey, you're sinful, you're sinful. So this is not him, Israel dying for their own sins. It's someone else dying for Israel. Go ahead. Uh, I had an observation about uh, Isaiah 53. Mm -hmm. The title on my 53, it says, Vicarious Sacrifice of Christ Jehovah's Witness. Yeah. Jehovah's Witness. Yeah. Yeah, this is uh, other chapters, your other versions... Uh, might even say suffering servant okay mm -hmm. I actually think Isaiah did not make this up he actually went back to Psalm 22 mm. or David the idea because in Psalms 22 uh, if you guys were here f like a few months ago you guys remember for Psalm 22 23 24 I believe predicted Jesus in three ways as suffering servant 22 23 as shepherd mm. right and 24 is coming king mm. 22 23 has happened yet one more is not happened is 24 when he comes back. Mm -hmm. Second time, he won't come as a baby. He's going to come in a great white horse to judge sin in the world. He's going to come as a great victorious king. Mm -hmm. This is one of the reasons why I evangelize, okay? Why I tell people about Jesus is I want people to know Jesus, the love of Jesus. I don't want them to be judged by God. So I'm going as what? Not to say I'm better than him. I'm just going as a nobody to everybody to tell what? About somebody who came and died mm -hmm. for our sins, okay? So in light of this, we see Isaiah 53, uh, verses 10, okay? Let's go back also as well to uh, Romans chapter 5, verse 8. Uh, Kaylee, would you be able to read Romans chapter 5, verse 8? His own love towards us that in while we, that in that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. Yeah, God demonstrated His love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, right? Christ died for us. So again, the idea of substitutionary atonement, okay, dying in our place, okay. Mm. By the way, He did this while we were yet sinners, okay. Mm. I know sometimes when we're not right with God, sometimes we think, oh, maybe if I get my act together, in my life, I'll be a little bit better, and then I'll I'll go back to Him. But God says, no, while He were yet sinners. Christ died for us. That's how much He loved us. Okay, He loved us that much. Okay, uh, Galatians three thirteen. I love this one. Galatians three thirteen. Jin, would you be able to read that? Galatians three thirteen. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Curse is everyone who is hanged on a tree. Mm, yeah, this is a beautiful verse, okay? Um, some people read this and get, get all tripped up like, Wait, did Christ die on a tree or did he die on a cross? Okay. Um, by the way, this is when he, uh, Paul is talking about what Christ has done. He's redeemed us. Remember when we talked about redeemed, what redemption means? He purchased us away from what? Uh, the cost of slavery to sin, right? Mm -hmm. he, uh, saved us from Satan, all that kind of thing, okay? Redeemed us from that slavery. So when he says that, he redeemed us also from the curse. And then he quotes from the Old Testament, which is actually from Deuteronomy 21. Now the word for a tree here, 
in the old uh, Greek translation, it's actually the same word, xenon, which is the word cross. Okay? But in this one, he just used just regular word for tree. Okay? Uh, and by the way, I think this is so beautiful. The curse. How did, we first, how did man first get cursed? Was there a tree involved? Yeah, yeah what is that tree? Tree of the no fruit of what? Good and evil. Good and evil, okay? Therefore, we get cursed. Mm. But then to remove that curse, there's mm. another tree. Mm. And who took that curse? Christ, okay? So that one day we go to heaven, we could take of the fruit from the tree of life, okay? I think it's, man, the Bible is beautiful poetry, okay? Uh, I actually feel this, okay? I, I think I say this all the time. When I was younger, before I was Christian, I was a really dumb kid. I, I'm saying this, I, I know objectively I was. But I, I felt reading the Bible actually opened up my whole world. Um, because the Bible is a very good literature. It is incredible literature. So that when I finally got saved, when I started reading the Bible, because I didn't really care for literature, you know, as a kid, I still have a hard time with literature and all that kind of thing. Uh, you know, reading, you know. All, but then reading the Bible, I was like, whoa, the Bible is so beautiful. So that when I finally went to college, it was like, oh, these, you know, just community college, it was like, whoa. Like, taking, like, Norwegian literature, it's like, whoa. Hey, there's poetry. And then I realized the Bible helped me see the wonders of that, okay? Mm -hmm. So the Bible is, I mean, just right now, my own personal reading right now, I'm going through Nahum, okay? Mm -hmm. And even there, there's acrostic, you know, like ABC, like all right. that, that you don't see in English. I'm just amazed. Right. But then as I'm looking at it in Hebrew, I realize, hey, why does it stop? And I realize the point is this, that because of sin, we mess up what? Things, God's order, okay, is the point of the story here, okay? So all this, I mean, the Bible is so beautiful here. We see that we've got cursed by the tree of what? Knowledge of good and evil, the fruit. But now what? Christ died on the tree, on the cross for our sins to save us on our place, okay? There's so many other verses, okay? Uh, but let's go on now to motivation. Why did, what motivated God to plan the atonement? That is the covering over for our sins, okay? Is that a knock on the... Oh, okay. So we're going to now go to point number four, okay? What motivated God to plan the atonement? Hey, Russ. Okay. So motivation number one is what? Are you following on the outline? What is your first motivation? God's motivation to plan the atonement? Yeah, thank you so much, okay? Uh, turn with me to Luke chapter 19, verse 10. Okay, for the sake of time. I love Luke 19, version. Luke 19, 10. Rebecca, would you be able to read Luke 19, 10? For the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. Yeah, so He came to save that which was lost, okay? So His desire is to save us, okay? Um, then there's also the motivation is what? He loves us, okay? Abigail, could you turn to Romans 5.8? Romans 5.8. So that's your favorite book, is Romans? Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. That's good, Abigail. That's good. John, good, very cool. Acts, you're almost there. After Acts is Romans, good. Chapter 5, verse 8, okay? Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrate His own love towards us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Yeah, in the book of Romans, okay? By the way, this is the first time in the book of Romans the word love appears. It's not the only time. This is going to be a lot more about God's love. But I think it's so amazing that it took five chapters in before Paul says love. Is it because love is not that important? No, it's because the first part he talked a lot about what? Sin, okay? Why he talked a lot about sin is so that you can never appreciate God's love until you understand how sinful you are, Okay? Sometimes I think we th we think the, I think we sometimes think the way God loves us is like a father who adopts us, which is kind of true. You look at a little child, right? I think most of us think of adoption as like you look at the little child, and say, oh, you know, very cute, right? And Kaliano, you feel sorry for him. There's a little kid's running nose. Oh, let's bring, him, okay? Which is good, but I think that's not why God adopts us. It's also we are very sinful, okay? It's almost like adopting a child that is a murderer. That's what God has done. We are enemies. We are sinners. We are very wretched. And yet He loves us. So it's not just uh, we're at point zero and He rescues us. It's like we're at negative 100, okay? In terms of what we owe, our sinfulness, you know, uh, the moral depth towards God, okay? 
So he loved us, okay? And he loved us that much, okay? He loved us that much. So also his justice must be demanded. You're in Romans still? Turn with me to Romans 3.24 to 26. Uh, Jim, could you read verse 24? Uh, Eric, could you read verse 25? And then um, Derek, read verse 26. 24. And are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Whom God displayed publicly at the propitiation of His blood through faith. This was to demonstrate His righteousness because in the forbearance of God He passed over the sin previously committed. For the demonstration, I say, of his righteousness at the present time, so that he would be just and a justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Yeah, so it's to make sure it's justice, right? Think about it for a moment. If there was to be a judge, and his son committed a crime, let's just say he was drunk driving and hit a lot of cars, parked cars, and then he appeared before the judge in the morning, his father. If the father says, oh, I love you, I'll let you go. Is he a good judge? <coughs> Merely because it's his son, I'll let you go. No, because there's a, what? there's a sin that needs to be taken care of, okay? So Christ came and he paid the penalty, okay? He came, the, uh, or God took the penalty of our sins, okay? It's almost as if the Father says, okay, you're guilty. I declare you guilty, but I'll pay the fine because I love you, son. Does that make sense? That, that's what's going on here, okay? So that's the motivation, okay? There's also seven fruit of the atonement, okay? Number one, Satan is defeated. Satan is defeated. Uh, for the sake of time, let's turn to Colossians 1.13. I'll read this, okay? Colossians 1.13. So now we're going to see, uh, the final part is we're going to see what has atonement uh, accomplished. Okay, uh, Colossians uh, 1.13. For you rescued us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of the beloved Son. Okay, so this is kind of tied to redemption, right? That he's purchased us. We're no longer slave of... The kingdom of darkness, or, or you know, Satan himself. But now we've been transferred. Okay, the devil's defeated. Okay, the other reason is so that the death would lose its power. Okay, death would lose its power. Uh, Mr. Byrne, would you be able to turn to First Corinthians fifteen, verse fifty-six? First Corinthians chapter fifteen, verse fifty-six. The sting of death is sin, and the power. Sin is on the law. Yeah, so that's the what the thing is. But then in verse fifty-seven says, "What thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ." Okay. Actually, let me edit that. Uh, I need to put verse fifty-seven. Oh, where'd it go? Yeah, to fifty-seven. Okay. Um. So also the other thing is the meaning of sin is broken. Okay. Uh, Romans six thirteen and fourteen it shows us that it frees us from the power of sin. We can say no to sin now because of Christ. Uh, Romans six thirteen to fourteen. Romans chapter six verses thirteen to fourteen. Um, thank you, Paul. Would you be able to read that? Yes. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness. Present ourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and our members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dimension, sorry, I don't know the word, dominion over you, since you are not under law. But it's on their place. Yeah, so verses 14, my version, instead of saying dominion, says master. Mm. Sin will no longer master over you, or dominion, okay? Uh, so that's one of the effects is God is also propitiated. That means wrath is being satisfied. We'll talk more about that in a few weeks, okay? Um, there's also been a change in heaven, okay? Hebrews 9.23, this is pretty interesting. Um, this one actually, when I read this, one, I was like, I never knew, or never dawned on me. Um... Hebrews 9.23 Therefore it was necessary for the copies of things in heaven to be cleansed with the, these, but the heavenly things themselves with the better sacrifice than these. So there's a sense where even heaven is cleansed with the death of Christ or His blood, okay? Um, the sixth fruit is the new covenant is put in effect, okay? Uh, for the sake of time, I'm just gonna 
mentioned Luke 22 verse uh, 20 that's when Jesus Christ the night before he died he said right uh, this you know to communion do this in remembrance of me this is for the new covenant okay uh, so it's tied with death okay and the final one is God can give the blessing of the new covenant okay God can give the uh, let's turn real quick to Hebrews chapter 8 verses 7 to 13 uh, why don't we go around each person read one verse beginning with Josh Hebrews chapter 8 verses 7 to 13 okay for if that first covenant had been perfect, there would have been no occasion sought for a second. And in finding fault with them, he says, Behold, these are things of the Lord, but I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not like the covenant which I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. For they did not continue in my covenant, and they did not care for them, says the Lord. Uh, I'll just read. Okay. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my laws into their minds, and I write them on their hearts, and I will be, I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And they shall not touch everyone his fellow citizen, and everyone his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for all will know me from the least to the greatest of them. For I will be merciful to their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. When he said a new covenant, he has made the first obsolete, but whatever is becoming obsolete and growing old is really ready to disappear. Yeah, this is beautiful, okay? Uh, this is beautiful. Notice the gift of ability to follow God's commandment is in the New Testament, okay? Remember um, remember how last week we covered the heart about hardened hearts? Uh, heart of stone, okay? Um, New Covenant uh, in Jeremiah says God now has given us a heart of flesh. That is, we could actually do good. You know, one of the things I really enjoyed today when uh, Eric and I, we went to talk about Jesus at Pasadena State College, the girls were actually pretty honest, saying like, you know what, sometimes we do what is right, but then it wasn't right. Like, we could also do good things with what? Wrong motivations, right? Or we or so think, oh, this is so right. We're, we're blind spotted. Like, oh, it turned out it wasn't. So in light of this, I think this is the beauty is God giving us also as worship. We're not perfect. We're not yet perfect as believers. But I think God also, I feel like the more I grow as a Christian sometimes, uh, sometimes I grow, grow, it's not so much I do something new, right? Uh, I do something new. But sometimes God changes my motivation because more purified. Why do what I do? Just to say go to church or that kind of thing is more purified. It's not only to appear good to be for people, but now it's, no, I, I do this for the love of God, right? Why do I meet with one of Oh, not because I have to, but because, oh, oh, it's because if he loved me, I love him back, and therefore I want to love people. Does that make sense? So God works through, through that motivation, okay? There's also a privilege of becoming the people of God, okay? When it says, I'll put my laws into him and I'll write them in their hearts, right? There's assurance, that is, you know He'll save you and He'll forgive you, okay? These are all the results of atonement, okay? 